Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bitch boys, bitch boys Bitch boys, bitch boys Bitch boys, bitch boys Bitch boys, bitch boys Bitching the fuck out of shit Binge Boys is a program that you're listening to right now. I'm Hal Rudnick, and across from me is, oh, the first gentleman of streaming, Lon Harris. Yeah. That's me. Well, if you're the you're the first lady of streaming, I'm the first gentleman. That's how it works. Listen, um, I'm comfortable enough in uh, who I am yeah. to accept that title. I thought I uh, thought that if I'm the first gentleman, are we two first gentlemen? That doesn't. I don't think. I don't think Republicans would approve of such a scheme. Two first gentlemen of streaming. Why not? Why not? It's Pride Month. Oh, uh, I am. Right. I would happily accept that. I uh, mean, it, although I mean, what I, does that imply? We're going to be moved to the groomer section of Spotify. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That's my concern. I don't, you know, I don't want to be there. It'll be us in the Ezra Miller cast in the groomer section. What are you oh, doing to no. us? Oh, no. We're, this is taking such a It's Miller time, turn. the Ezra Miller podcast. I only want to groom people into good viewing habits. That's all. That's all I care. You want to groom them into being a wife guy. That's where that's where Hal's grooming comes in. Th- that is my domain. A, uh, as the a dogs proud got groomer. Groomed. Yeah. You're... The dogs got groomed today as well, actually. The mobile groomer came oh. by and we That's I realize I realize now that profession they they really are gonna need to update their whole they got a stewardess to flight attendant this thing. Mobile yeah. groomers is sounding terrible to me now. You got a... Uh, dog stylist? Uh, yeah, I think dog stylist, dog... Pet be- stylist. Canine beautician, something along canine these lines. Canine beautician. Uh, Juan... Dogs uh, medics? Th- Ooh, dogs medics. Dogs medics. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say one thing. I don't want to get into, uh, you know, I know you don't like it. Are when you going to talk about something about- that you can visually see in my apartment? Yes. Here's my solution. Comp- don't, don't, just don't do it. Uh, all right. Let me just ask you one question. Okay. Is it about something you can visually see in my apartment? Yes, but I'm going to compare it to something to give people like right. a touchstone. Sure. Let's do this again. We had we oh, had God. almost a week off, so it's a fun. It's a different tact. Uh, you know what? Forget no, let's it. hear it now. No, now we got to hear it. Now I insist. I, I think you look very handsome and your hair is getting long, but and you got a little bit of don't take this the wrong way but a little bit of a Wayne Grow vibe from from heat 
Yes, you you're like the nice, pleasant version. You're you're so it's not only a, a joke that no one who can't see us, which is no one but the two of us, can appreciate. It's an extremely obscure reference that maybe five percent of the viewers. Are oh, even everyone loves catch. Wayne Grow. Everyone knows Wayne Grow. This is the worst bit you've ever done, Rudnick. Number one. I'm putting it number one. This is it. Lon looks a bit like Wayne Grow from the 1995 crime drama Heat. Number one. Everyone loves Heat. There was not a chance that was going to get a laugh. Well, I'm just saying, Wayne Grow is a memorable character. For me, I can see myself, and I don't even, I don't even think I look very much like, I can picture Wayne Grow because I know that movie very well. And I don't, what is he, Ted Levine? That's Ted Levine's character? No, Ted Levine is one of uh, Pacino's cops. I was just watching Heat, by the way, so I've got it on the brain. All right. Well, great job. Thank you for that. Thanks, Lon. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. Oh, it's Kevin Gage is Wayne Grow. That's right. He's, yeah, okay. I knew that. I can yeah, picture that. Yeah, I read that up actor. on that guy a little bit. He was an actual convict. Yeah. Like, you'd be like his nice cousin. Yeah, I'm, I'm much friendlier than Wayne Grow. Oh, yeah, Wayne Grow. That guy's a jerk, but uh, his cousin, Long. You picked a character who is like the <laughs> prototypical movie dirtbag, like a guy that they've made to look like a scary criminal in the movie. Like, that's his, that's his whole vibe and aesthetic. So thank you. You're you're saying you're saying I look like a thug is what you're saying. No, not not handsome though. No, he's not a good looking man, Wayne Grow. I think you're the adorable Wayne Grow. Okay, thank you for that. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna move on to something that everyone can enjoy. Did it did it did it did it the news with Lon. HBO is developing a Game of Thrones spinoff featuring Kit Harrington's return as Jon Snow. Are you excited? Are you excited for this? No. Uh, moderately, moderately. This was Kit Harrington's idea. Apparently, he came up with this. What What would Jon Snow be doing? So you'll recall, Jon Snow, at the end of Game of Thrones, he's exiled from Westeros. He He's north of the Wall. He's going to go live, start a new life with the Wildlings. Mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin hasn't written that far, so we don't know what happens to him. Apparently, Kit Harrington came up with this concept, went to HBO, was like, let's do something else with Jon Snow. George R. R. Martin has now come in and, like, helped them fill in some ideas for what might Jon Snow be up to. They're hinting that we might also see some appearances from other surviving Game of Thrones characters. Arya and Sansa Stark, of course, still in the mix. Brienne of Tarth still active in the world. And Gwendolyn Christie. Still toddling around. And Gwendolyn Christie has said she'd be willing to maybe come back. So... All, everything is possible right now. You know what I chalk it up to? People like paychecks. They do. Kit Harrington was like, oh, I guess I'm in the Marvel universe as just like, you know, a husband. No, he's going to be the, he's the Black Knight. He's going to come back. Remember in the post-credit sequence of Eternals, oh, yeah, and the Eternals. he gets yeah, the yeah, sword yeah. and then we hear Mahershala Ali's blade. Uh, oh, yeah. Are you ready? Are you sure you're ready for that? Uh, and so he's gonna. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, now we've got uh, now we've got a Black Knight. I don't know who that is. Like I don't know. Apparently, Marvel fans know who Black Knight is. Yeah, I, I know. I know Dane who Moon Whitman. Knight is. Yeah, Dane Whitman. But uh... Dane Whitman, the Black Knight. Well, you know, I get Kit Harrington. People like paychecks. Uh, the, the, a, it, I guess it makes sense. We're gonna just jump right back in to where we left off. How many Game of Thrones spinoffs are there now? All together, 
including House of the Dragon that's coming out in August and this show. There are seven Game of Thrones projects in various Shut stages of development. the front door. That's true. Too many. Not all of them are going to get to TV. Those are, that, that's, that's in any stage of development. So, you know, there's that animated one. There's that Dunkin' Egg one. There's that one about the, the sea snake. Some of these will House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon. Yeah. Some so, of these will fall by the wayside before they make it to television. The only one that I think we can say for sure, definitely we're gonna see is House of the Dragon, because season one right. is done and it's coming out in August. But other than that It's in the can, baby. Other than that, I would say all of these are like maybe possibly. The fact that this one has Jon Snow, Kit Harrington coming back puts it at the front of the line, I would say. Yeah. Like, oh, so it, uh, House of the Dragon is already here in August? August, yeah. That We got posters, we got a trailer. Like, we're, we're... We should talk about that in Binge Boys. You think so? I think we probably should. Uh, it's going to be probably. a huge... This fall for fantasy TV is ridiculous because we've got Lord that of the one. Rings. And then September, you've got Lord of the Rings, The Power of the Ring. Oh, baby. Um, let me ask you this, Lon. The Rings of Power, rather. What do you think... Jon Snow should be doing when we next meet up with I, him. This, I gotta say, the folks who love Jon Snow, uh, I get why he would be the surviving character that you would rally around. Like, oh, okay, yes. sure. Uh, having said that, and they killed off a lot of people's favorite characters. So you can't do, you know, Jamie Lannister's ongoing adventures because he got crushed. But um, I, I just, it doesn't feel like the most story-rich character's ongoing journey. Like, he's north of the wall, Ooh. he's living with the wildlings. Like, his whole goal was to sort of, like, he's gonna start a quiet life, you know? Find a, mm -hmm. find a wife, settle down. I don't think of him as becoming the new Mance Raider who's gonna unite all the wildlings under one flag or right. whatever, like, an, the mm -hmm. story that you would make for a TV show. So I, I, I kind of, in some ways, feel like they're gonna have to get him south of the wall again, and it just kind of seems like self-defeat like well okay so we're just redoing stuff we did in game of thrones like i i almost feel like a sequel series but that puts us more in the center of like what's going on and you know bran is king like what's this new world like with sansa as lady of winterfell bran as king like i almost would be like let's get us back in the center of that world rather than worrying about the wildlings and what's going on north of the wall, which with no white walkers up there, like, who gives a shit, right? Like, there's nothing really up yeah. there. So I don't know. It's a, it sort of seems self-defeating, but he's Kit Harrington's the one who wants to come back. So what choice do they have? I, a couple ideas here. Um, I think maybe uh, uh, Jon Snow opens a lovely little bed and breakfast. Uh, maybe yeah. called Crow and Go or something exactly. like that. But I mean, I think you're you're joking, but you're right in a weird way. Like that's all Jon Snow's ambitions by the end of the show are not. I want to be king, or I want to, you know, my family legacy. He's just like, oh, just tired. I want to be left alone. Like he was happiest in the cave. Like leave him yeah. be. Oh, with Egret. With Egret, yeah. Or. uh Maybe he's, he opens his little bed and breakfast, and he's like, all right, time for a quieter life. And then uh, someone's like, there's trouble, there's trouble brewing. And he's like, oh, I guess I have to get my Valerian steel out of the attic to go take care of the trouble. I mean, it's going to be this. Like, it's almost yeah. definitely going to be he's got to, like, John Wick some situation. Yeah. Or, or what if he 
you know, you know what's weird about Game of Thrones? You got these these giants north of the wall, like these big, like goofy looking, snuffleupagus looking motherfucker. These giants. How could we never saw any lady giants? There were only dude giants. So what if Jon Snow took up and had a relationship with a lady giant? There you go. What if Jon Snow became a gigolo who serviced lady giants? I feel like this was Rob Schneider's pitch to HBO. Be like, all right, we're in in Westeros. Yeah, what if it's a gigolo, but he only services lady giants and and dragons. And dragons. And female dragons. But no dude dragons. That's gross. Just lady dragons. You know what? I mean, maybe he could service, maybe he could milk a dude dragon. Yeah, there you go. So I think it's a Deuce Bigelow dragon gigolo coming this fall. I, that's I think we I think we fabulous. nailed it. I think we I think we, I don't, I don't think we're going to embrace. Honestly, I almost the other thing I feel like would be to do the the Brit box version of it, where it's just okay. he settles in a quiet village north of the wall, and then like one wildling gets murdered a week, and Jon Snow's got to figure it out. You know, like that. Right. Every British show, the British make eighteen versions of that show literally <laughs> every week. There's a there is a BBC, and it's just. That show, like, she used to be a Polish advertising executive, but then she moved to a small village in Swansea, and now she serves, solves murders. Like, you would think people are, (laughs) like, literally half the island of Britain gets murdered every week so the other half can solve the crime. Oh, it's a regular Cabot Cove over there. It's fucking crazy, that country. I don't know how they're keeping this clever, this fiendishly clever murder rate up. Right? Yeah. One other spinoff we need to see, and then we'll move on. All right. Um, uh, a prank show uh, starring Bran, where he wargs into people's bodies yeah. un, uh, unexpectedly, yeah. un, the unsuspecting people, and makes them do crazy shit, and then, uh, and then you got warged. You got yeah. warged uh, with Bran. Yeah, it's, it's like his version of Impractical Jokers. So yes. instead of like, tell them you're from the city and you need to check the pipe, he just says it. He just, he just wargs in and does what he wants. Yeah, so, like, there's a dude in the middle of, like, a big presentation, yeah. uh, like, at the, at the, at the royal um, uh, uh, distillery or whatever. Yeah, and, you know that, that, uh, that famous Game of Thrones location, the royal distillery. We didn't see every place. We didn't see every building. So, anyway, uh, they Bran don't even drink, into them. They don't even drink distilled spirits. They drink wine in Westeros, hell. Uh, they, they, they probably uh, have uh, some kind of harder whiskey or something. Anyway, Bran war, uh, wards into someone in the middle of a presentation and starts like, oh, I'm hitting myself in the face. I'm a dummy. Yeah. It's involuntary <laughs> jokers, it's called. <laughs> yes. I. You know what? I got to write this up. I think, I think we us. figured it out. I think they look, look for it. Next tournament of nerds, look for it. Oh, I love that. Taylor Sheridan, mm. King Paramount Plus, Taylor Sheridan himself. Oh, yeah. He announced he's working on, you know, he's got all these Yellowstone prequel series we did 1883. 
He's got 1883. Listen, I, I heard Sam Elliott wouldn't sign on if he, unless they promised that there wouldn't be any gay cowboys because Sam Elliott doesn't like uh, any any lily livered cowboys. He really didn't like they were gonna have a cowboy who was a cow. An animated cow cowboy, and Sam Elliott put his foot down. Like there, there were ain't no, no cow cowboys. They didn't cowboys let cows. Are only human they didn't, men. Despite the name, it's a it's a misnomer. There were no actual cowboys. They were Noted all Noted power of the dog hair, yeah. Sam Elliott. Anyway, so th there was gonna be one of these Yellowstone prequel series called 1932. You'll recall Harrison Ford, Helen Mirren have been cast in yes. it. Yes, the Dutton family members living in Montana during a historic drought a surge in mm -hmm. cattle theft, prohibition. Uh, well, anyway, they're still making that show, but they have changed the title. It is no longer 1932. It is now 1923, Hal. We've moved it nine years back in time. Oh, they flipped the two numbers yeah. there. Instead of 32, it's 23. James Cameron walked into the writer's room and wrote $19 sign three, and they were like, oh my God, genius. Uh, I, <laughs> this is very... This is so super fascinating to me because they're like in develop like this. The show's being made, so they like got to a right. certain point in the writing, and they were like, "Oh, and then this happens." And then it was like, "Well, fuck, we can't have that happen." It's it's nineteen thirty two. That it we he can't return from World War One now. It's way too late for that. Gah! And they that their only solution was it's got to be nine years. Or like, how do you make that change? That's a huge change. Things were very different in 1923 versus 1932. Even Prohibition, if your show is about Prohibition, it was about the end of Prohibition, and it's now about the beginning of Prohibition. Also, 1932, uh, we are we are a few years into the Great Depression. Right, and 1923. pre-Great Depression. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure for the story he's telling, which is going to be about this family and about Montana, you know, like all that other stuff is background, but it is, I, it, I, what a fascinating change. I don't remember ever hearing about a show being like, ah, it's got to be 10 years earlier. Like usually that's the oh. first thing, the first thing you figure out from your research is what year is it set in. They got to take all the dialogue around uh, Babe Ruth and the world champion <laughs> yeah. 27 Yankees. Every calendar. Talk about the 27 Yankees. Every scene with a calendar in the background, reshoot it. It'll make more sense though to have punchlines about, oh, I still can't get over the murder of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, like, because it's a little closer to, uh... Flapper? I just met her! Right, right? Taylor Sheridan doing everything for Paramount+. Plus. He's also still at work on a different 1883 spinoff show starring David Ayelowo as Bass Reeves. Uh, and we also got word this week that Dana Delaney is joining the cast of Tulsa King. That's the crime drama oh. with Sylvester Stallone that's coming out soon where he's a oh, yeah. mob oh, captain cool. who's going to start a new crew in Tulsa. So Dana Delaney, I know you were a real uh a real glutton for that China Beach. Yeah, I was definitely not way too young to be into the early 80s drama China Beach. You've got me were there. Were you more of a Dana Delaney guy or a Marg Helgenberger guy? Marg Helgenberger was more my era. Dana Delaney was already like she hurt. She was already But they were both famous. on China Beach. They were, they were both, both on China on Beach. That's China true. Beach. Mark Helgenberger was in Species, you'll recall. Oh. Also in the great Natasha Henstridge film, Species. Species. And Exit to Eden. We should. We shouldn't. We shouldn't uh, look past that either. The great Dana Delaney uh, 
Gary Marshall comedy, Exit to Eden. Oh, yeah, with Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd and Rosie O'Donnell, baby. Yes. Uh, the TV series based on the iconic YouTube show Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared is going to debut I've never heard of on this. Channel 4 in the UK in September. Uh, so Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. It's on YouTube right now. It's six videos. They are parodies of classic kids TV shows. So it's like puppet characters okay. and they are talking about, you know, abstract concepts like this episode is about time or this episode is about creativity or this is episode is about friendship and and uh, you know things start like a kids show sort of would but then they take a surreal psychedelic horror turn to where by the end they're kind of existential nightmares that are kind of parodying the rhythm and the style of kids shows uh so cool so the way you're describing it uh what was the name of that kyle mooney Mooney Saturday Morning All-Star Classics? Yeah, or? no, Saturday Morning All-Star Hits was definitely inspired in some ways by Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. It had that same, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared pushes it further, where it more into like oh, wow. Lovecraftian horror. Ooh. I also feel like Too Many Cooks is kind of a a comparison that you could make. It's that style of- Gotcha, that, I like, enjoy that. like surreal, nightmarish, adult swim kind of comedy. Yes. So anyway, cool. that was a, many years ago, that was like mid-teens, that was a hit on YouTube. 216 million views collectively across the, the channel to date. So in Ooh. 2018, they announced they were going to make a Channel 4 British series out of it. In 2019, an early pilot streamed for fans at the Indie Sundance Festival. And then it's really gone silent sort of since then and during the pandemic. But now we've got a new trailer. It's coming. It'll be on TV in the UK in September. And we will probably get an update about arriving in the US soon. If you haven't checked it out, I do recommend it. Go to YouTube, check out Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. Start with episode one. It's six and they're, they're, it's a narrative. You got to watch them in order. Gotcha. So Hal, Obi-Wan is over on Disney+, Plus, and there, there are two big debates raging on the internet in its wake. I figured we'd take them on one at a time. Did you finish Obi-Wan? Have you watched the full Obi-Wan series? Uh, I'm uh, not fully caught up. Okay, so we'll ignore you and your bad opinions, but we'll listen to me and my yes. good opinions. Um, yes. So the first question everybody's debating, should there be another Obi-Wan or Darth Vader series after this, or is this definitely the end? Ewan McGregor is saying he'd like to come back. Hayden Christensen... He's open to coming back, but Deborah Chow, who directed the series, and Kathleen Kennedy are like, let's wait and see. We don't know. I feel like mm -hmm. I'm not going to spoil it for you. It, it ends on a note with some finality. Like, I feel like they came to a place where this leads into the other stories we know, and I feel like they wrapped it up. Yeah, so yeah, we, we don't need any more of that boring-ass Obi-Wan. Well, there you go. Let Obi-Wan go on his way and uh, age into Alec Guinness. Yeah, and, that, and... and that's where the series ends, with him going off to his cave to age into Alec Guinness. I feel like, I feel like we're all good. Uh, and then the second debate, uh, did you think that it looked bad? Like, people are, people are saying they think it looked cheesy and it didn't look good and it wasn't up to the standards everybody has come to expect from Star Wars. No, there were just like little story holes or like the attention to detail wasn't as strong. Like, uh, you know, being able, but stormtroopers were always patsies. Stormtroopers were always just pushovers. So, uh, but this time around, there were a few too many elements where it was like, oh, it doesn't seem like they had a huge budget. For this or the budget was a little smaller or some of the sets weren't as extravagant 
how did you feel about it? I don't think any of these Disney Plus shows look good. Like, I don't, none of them. I, I, they all have had the same kind of look, which is you can very much tell they are on a very sophisticated, like, magic screen stage. Like, the, mm -hmm. the characters don't have a lot of room to walk around. They're in this enclosed room, and then they can project these fabulous backdrops behind them. And I think from Loki to Falcon and Winter Soldier, through this one, all of them, they've all looked like that. Like, like Mandalorian, mm -hmm. I think, was a little bit more action-focused. And this one did have some clunky... I think it's almost the editing choices in this one were the, were the clunkiest. But I don't think any of them has looked that good. So I'm surprised that the feedback on this one in particular has been, why does this look really bad? Because it's like, well, but, but Moon Knight also looked bad. Like, did, you, did nobody notice yeah. that? That, like... They all kind of look bad. So my, it's not praise so much as it is like, I've just lowered my Disney Plus expectations sufficiently at this point to where the new show didn't come in below them. It was a little clearer this time around that like, oh, they're just like an enclosed area in Malibu, like shooting Oh, it's not like Malibu, it's Burbank. Burbank, <laughs> it's, well, there are cliffs. That's Glendale, like, like, baby. No. Well, but the cliffs are added in post. That's what they're doing in post. Gotcha. They're putting if you're seeing us if you're seeing a shot and there's like a ladder and some rocks in the foreground and then like a mm -hmm. fabulous desert village vista behind them, the rocks in the ladder are all that's there. Like you can usually see gotcha. there's a few objects in the foreground to give you perspective and, and a sense of space. And then everything is being just like dropped in and post behind them. And they can do much more sophisticated things in terms of having them move around and seemingly through these backgrounds, but mm -hmm. it's still a background. And I think that a lot of the time you can tell just by the way that things are blocked and shot that there really isn't as much room as you'd want for them to get everybody around and to shoot them properly. There's a lot right. of just claustrophobic, weirdly edited sequences in all of these shows. And Obi-Wan, I think, was maybe a step more ambitious, so it, it the scenes showed more. Like when you've yeah. got Darth Vader in a scene and he's wrecking house and throwing things around, it's easier to see the scenes than when you're just having a dialogue scene or it's like Boba Fett in a bath thinking right. about his life. Yep. Uh, oh, by the way, I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't mind seeing Obi-Wan come back if he if they made him like a maybe a gigolo for giants, yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where like north of like the he's wall, hired yeah. to, to please these lady giants on Tatooine if they have lady or if they have giants. Hello like there. Just all. <laughs> just you yes. know, we want to drop in behind a group of lady giants and stroke his beard suggestively. Well, hello there. Ooh, yeah. I am the gigolo you're looking for. There you go. There you go, Obi-Wan. I don't think they need to do more. Honestly, I don't think we need any more Obi-Wan show. I think if you want to bring Ewan back as Obi-Wan, put him in somebody else's show. Have him show up for an episode of somebody else's show. Do like, uh, he's he's the crotchety old neighbor, you know? Like, I told you to keep it down over here. I'm contacting my master, you know? Like, that's... Oh, yeah. Perfect like, job. Like, uh, Perfect I, job. I, I wouldn't mind just like a just a, a, star, a Star Wars sitcom and just a classic three camera style. Like the, like a Don Knotts figure. You guys get what I'm saying. Roku renewed the uh, the comedy courtroom series Chrissy's Court 
for a third season. This is, of course... Oh, with Chrissy Teigen? With Chrissy Teigen and her mom, uh, the Laylook Pepper Ty Teigen is the bailiff. So it's a Teigen, oh, it's a Teigen family affair. I guess Chrissy's no longer canceled. She was, I guess, uh, she was in trouble for bullying. Chrissy, she... She kind of self-canceled and then self-un... That's what you could do when you self-cancel is you could self-uncancel. Remember, she she was Got like, it. I'm going to leave social media because everybody's mean and you don't want to hear from me anymore. And then like two weeks later, it was like, I'm bored. I'm back. I don't... I want to talk more. Um, so she's she's still around. You can't... Listen, it's Chrissy's world and we're all just living you, in you, it. You, you, you can't. You can't keep Chrissy Teigen down. So anyway, she's back for her third season. This now is one of... We only have a handful of, I think you could say, truly successful Quibi shows. Like shows that were born on the Quibi platform, but found their way onto Roku, found an audience, and have now not only survived how, but thrived. And I would say, wow, Chrissy's Court, at this point, season three, very impressive to come out of Quibi and find yourself mm -hmm. in season three. You gotta give you gotta give Chrissy's Court a hand for that one. They yeah, joined the, lasting longer than a Quibi. They joined the ranks of Dishmantled, which got a second season and and may still be on for a third. Who knows? That Titus Burgess Ooh. blasting chefs with food, and then they have to recreate the recipe based on being hit in the face with it. That one's still going on. Uh, Most dangerous game with Christoph Waltz. That's gotten multiple oh, yes. seasons now oh. on Roku. Yeah, uh, Liam Hemsworth was in uh, at least one season of that. And uh, the Reno 911 revival uh, still going oh, yes. strong. They're, uh, they're doing an Emmy campaign right now for their most recent season, which was also on Roku post-Quibi. How about it? C uh, really, a, a proud legacy left behind by Quibi. You know, they, for all the shit we gave Quibi, that's a that's a roster. They 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 launched at least a few shows that people liked. You know what? I, I, I Maybe we were a little too hard on them. No, we were, but we definitely weren't. But there were at least three or four Quibi shows that have found an audience on Roku, and good for them. What, what is, is is Chrissy's Court just like uh, like any of the other court shows? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a humorous like she's not a, a judge, so the idea is she's not really applying legal principles, but it's the same for otherwise. Like small claims, people come in. Each side gives her their, here's what happened from my perspective, and then she makes a ruling which is theoretically, like, binding. Like, both both parties have agreed to go by whatever Chrissy decides. There's also uh, Steve Harvey this past season also got his own courtroom show, Judge Steve Harvey. It was on Hulu. Wow. But it was on ABC, and then they streamed it on Hulu. So comedy courtroom is a viable genre now. Gotcha. Oh, I liked, uh, there was a... Uh... What was it? The High Court with uh, Doug yeah, Benson? Yeah, there's also I, Kids I, that, Kids that Court was one of them, right? Wasn't that one too? Oh. Where it was, I think it was Andy Kindler was uh, deciding things for children. Oh, oh, um, noted curmudgeon Andy Kindler. That was that yeah. was uh, I believe my my buddy Mike Rotman put that one together. But there was a streaming show called Kids Court. It was pretty funny, where Andy Kindler would hear you know like literal eight year olds who had a fight. And he would then gotcha. pick who was right and who was wrong. It was very well done. Oh, settling those playground beefs. Right. I actually, if you have Hulu, you can go back and watch uh, season one of uh, of Judge Steve Harvey. It's the per. It, it is a. It's the perfect TV format for Steve Harvey because what Steve Harvey does on Family Feud is just wait for somebody to say something stupid, and then you know mug, mug and overreact. Yeah and like make a big thing out of what an idiot they are. And a courtroom mm -hmm. show, it's just people saying stupid things back and forth the whole time. It's catnip for Steve Harvey. Perfect He's fodder for 
um, the, that mustache yeah. madman. I'm telling you, if you are, if you are a fan of the Steve Harvey like making bugging his eyes out when somebody says something dumb, it yeah. like you are going to adore Judge Steve Harvey. It is he makes an I, eight course meal out of each one of these small claims cases. Nice. I do like those Family Feud clips, so maybe it's right up my alley. They knew people like to watch those those Family Feud clips, and it's like, how can we make a whole show of just the clips part of Family Feud? That's that's the show. All rise. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Peacock also renewed the Craig Robinson snake hunting comedy series, killing it for a second season. I don't, I gotta say, this flew totally under the radar. I, I knew it was coming out. I saw a trailer. It's uh, Craig Robinson plays a down on his luck Florida guy who enters a snake hunting competition and the winner receives, you know, like a hundred grand prize or whatever Ooh, uh mm-hmm. and and so he becomes a a professional snake hunter in florida that's a funny premise i just not i, I didn't hear about anybody watching the show i never heard about the show yeah i mean i i, I have seen plenty of these craig robinson pizza hut ads sure where he's wearing the tablecloth um print uh, uh zip up but the, the classic Pizza Hut checkered tablecloth, but I have not uh, I have not seen uh, killing it. But there are ads all over LA. I mean, there are you've seen oh, billboards where he's, he's he's holding a snake or he's about to club a snake or whatever. And, and just, he's wearing a suit. He's dressed yeah. like he's in Reservoir Dogs in the black suit and black tie. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, Peacock obviously either believes in it or it, it it's a it's a bunch of Brooklyn Nine Nine guys created the new show. So. It's a reunion of him with the Brooklyn Nine-Nine team. I might check it out now that we know it's coming back for a second season. Killing it. That's on Peacock. Uh, Moving on. Maybe on a future episode of Binge Boys. We could talk about it, sure. Uh, HBO Max's Father of the Bride. This is the new one with Andy Garcia and Gloria Estefan. It's the platform's most successful original film to date, according to HBO. Now, we, we you know, we got to mention it. that means it's not a Warner Brothers movie that debuted on HBO Max. Like... Mortal Kombat or Godzilla versus Kong or any of that stuff. This is the most successful mm-hmm. movie that was made originally intended for HBO Max. Um, what was that one with Jared Leto and Denzel Washington? Uh, the Little Things, but that was a Warner Brothers things. movie that was debuted on HBO Max. That was not produced for HBO Max. So that right. that's not Kimmy. What about Kimmy? Kimmy is a good Steve example. Soderberg. Kimmy was an original film produced for HBO Max that ended up uh, debuting there. So that's a good example. Father of the Bride, the most successful of those ever. It was the number one title around the world uh, during the Father's Day weekend on that platform. Uh, it's part of a larger push by HBO Max into the Mexican and Latin American market. They are, you know, they're fairly recently launched there. They're really trying to push into that. So we will see more efforts like this from them to sort of gather the attention of Spanish-speaking or multilingual households. Now, let me ask you this. Gloria Stefan is in it. Is the Miami sound machine? No, I don't believe so. It is set in Miami. There may be sound machines, but I don't believe the Miami sound machine makes an appearance. Gotcha, gotcha. Although, do they do the conga? Uh, probably. I would say that that that's very possible. I mean, I would. That would be a great dance to do uh, for the guests yeah. at a wedding. I, I know she can't control herself any longer. Mm-mm. Lyric, lyric from that song. Do you guys remember that? That eighties. Oh yeah, 80s come song? on, baby, baby, there you go. conga. No, yeah, yeah. Hal knows it. Not, not the words, but knows the song. Uh, Nathan Fielder's new HBO series, The Rehearsal, debuts on July 15th. Uh, the Nathan For You vet is going to help 
uh, everyday people prepare for big moments in their lives by creating elaborate situations, simulations, and letting them rehearse what they're going to do in advance. So it sounds like a like a Nathan for you type premise. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll see. He also currently produces uh, How To with John Wilson for HBO. So this will be the, oh, second, yeah. the second show to emerge from Nathan Fielder's HBO deal. HBO is in the Nathan Fielder business and business is good. So, like, what kind of situations is he helping people through? Like, uh, oh, I want to ask my boss for a raise. And uh, I, I think that's it, though. I think you've nailed it. I think it's probably stuff like asking your boss for a raise, maybe coming out to your family, maybe revealing that you're going to get married or have a baby or other big news, maybe breaking up with someone. I'm assuming these Ooh. kinds of big life moments that you would feel nervous about and want to prepare for in advance. Proposing marriage, you know, you know the kinds of scenarios we're talking about. Right. Uh, saving uh, someone from a burning building. Well, that, you don't know that that's going to happen, so you wouldn't be nervous about it in advance, Hal. So not, Unless not you a were good... planning an elaborate arson, but you did want to... Well, that, now it's a crime. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't tell HBO that you were planning to do a crime before you did it, because then you'd get I've said caught. too much. All right. Did you did you call HBO and tell them that you're planning to do arson? Because we should really get ahead of that. I've already said too much. All right, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, hopefully Hal is not in jail for arson. Uh, no, we'll, we'll move on. YouTube released its annual list of the most watched ads for the previous 12 months. It's the Con Lions Advertising Conference in France this Ooh. week, Hal, you understand. So, because it's a... Watch the most watched ads. So, the oh. most watched ads. The number one spot, it's hard to predict. Samsung's Galaxy Unpacked Press Event in 2021, where they introduced their new lineup of devices and smartphones, that hit the number one spot. So, who would have guessed? But uh, other, other items on the top ten include... Uh, do you want to guess what the most popular Super Bowl ad was? We now have the oh, most watched boy. Super Bowl ad of this past year, the February... 2022 game. Oh, man. What were some of the ads? At the, you know what? Oh, was Two big Super Bowl ads made the top 10. The The number four ad of the year, the most popular yes. Super Bowl ad, was Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost for Amazon Alexa, mm. that one that they were mm -hmm. using Alexa together at home. The other big yes. Super Bowl ad that also uh, scored there uh, was the Nissan ad featuring Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Dave Batista, and a few other celebrities oh, yeah. popped up in that one. Uh, also, Morgan Freeman promoting Turkish Airlines was on the top 10. That had aired during the Super Bowl. The most popular streaming trailer, no surprise here in the number five overall spot, Squid Game season one. The, the Squid Game trailer oh. was one of the most watched YouTube ads of the year. Wow. Uh, congrats. Congrats to everybody. What about the didn't they give out the Clio Awards for advertising? Those are those are awards, though. Those are for what they think are the best ads, not the most watched ads. Oh, the the yeah, these are we're we're applauding uh, the the most clicks. The these most are not clicks. quality. These are just exactly. These are clicks and views. Clio is Clio's from a time before we even knew how many views ads were getting. It was just like oh sure a bunch of advertising execs drinking martinis. Like ooh, that's the best one. You know, they're just yes. in it for the art, pal. They're just in it for the art. All right. That's it for the news, Hal. I did, before we go, I wanted to talk a little bit. This is not an ad. We don't, we don't have ads. We had an ad one time, and I was like, hey, uh, 
Starburns. This guy wants to buy an ad on our show. Uh, and they never got back to us. But So we don't have ads here on Binge Boys. But if we did, yes. I would love to accept an ad for AMC Plus because I've been watching AMC Plus. I don't get to review AMC Plus shows here on the podcast because Hal doesn't have it. I don't want him to feel left out. I don't want him to feel like he Thank can't you. join the conversation. That's thoughtful. But for That's this thoughtful. segment, I'm going to leave Hal out because I want to talk about all the great shows I'm watching on AMC+. Plus. There's All right, I'm going to go in the other room. Get out of here. Finally. I've been waiting for forever. Uh, so the first one I want to talk about, I'll do this quickly. Dark Winds just debuted a few weeks ago. We're in the midst of season one. This is based on those old uh, Tony Hillerman novels about Leaphorn and Chi. It's about two detectives in Navajo Nation, and they're working on two cases simultaneously because there's one that the feds are interested in, which is a bank, an armored car robbery where the guys got away in a helicopter that was heading towards Navajo Nation. So Toby Emmerich is the FBI agent who's leaning on them like, I want to catch these helicopter guys. And then it's also a double homicide that happened on Navajo territory. The FBI doesn't give a shit about that one, but the Navajo cops care. So it's these two cases sort of balancing. It's really well done. And I feel like, Hal, in particular, you would like this one because we've talked so much about the explosion of amazing content featuring Native American creatives and and Mm -hmm. indigenous actors in front of the camera. And now there's been so much great stuff coming out of that community lately. Rutherford Falls, uh, Reservation Dogs. Uh, yeah. So many of these other great series. Uh, this is right at, in in line with that trend. Uh, it's really terrific so far. A great procedural. Uh, George R. Martin is among the executive producers. Uh, I highly recommend it if you're looking for a new mystery drama series. That's on AMC Plus. Also on AMC Plus. Repeat the name one more time. Dark Winds. And this is... Dark Winds. They, it's, it's just been renewed. Lee Porn and Chi, Tony Hillerman, wrote a bunch of novels about these two Navajo detectives. So this is going to be... It's like a it's like a reacher. Every season is a different adaptation of a different one of these books. So they could do this for forever. There's a bunch of these novels to adapt. Yeah, I really like uh, also just... Uh, you know, it's not a series, but the... Uh uh, Native American ap- actor uh, Gil Birmingham, who is really great in Under the Banner of Heaven. Yes. And he's also in uh, uh, the uh, Yellowstone universe as well. Yeah, uh, and Zarn McLaren, who's uh, from Westworld, and he's in Reservation Dogs as well. He's uh, Lee Porn. He's like the main, the main Navajo detective in this show. Gotcha. Uh, Very cool. It's great. It's really fun. I, I would really recommend it. Well, it's not, you know, fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun in the way that a dark detective show is fun. But I also love that it, it plays Compelling, in the... Compelling, intriguing. It, it plays in the world of... It's got a little bit of the true detective where the the case Ooh. that they're investigating has tinges of the supernatural, but the show is not full-on supernatural or fantasy. It's possible it's all happening in the real world and there's just... Well, when you're on a Navajo reservation and the crime engages with mythology, a lot of people are like, oh, this is a... This is a skinwalker. This is this kind of mytho- you know, this mm-hmm. is this kind of mythological creature. So it's got that almost like the outsider sort of balance so far where you're not sure if it's oh. gonna become a, a legit ghost story or if it's just, you know, superstitious people in a realistic scenario. That that was El Cuco. El Cuco, exactly. Uh, moving on, the next one I want to talk about, If Chris File. This is I think I've teased this one before because it's an adaptation of a it's based on a book, but they, they made a Michael Caine movie that I really like out of this same book back in the 60s. It's, uh-huh. a, it's a Cold War spy story, uh, but re- it's been really good. They, it stars uh, Joe Cole from Peaky Blinders 
is uh, starring as Harry Palmer. This was, again, based on a series of uh, novels. Harry Palmer is this smuggler during the Cold War who's arrested, and then the deal, basically, that uh, this intelligence officer makes him is, I'll get you out of prison, but then you work for me. You're just, you're my new agent, and you go where I tell you, and you do whatever Ooh. spy mission I need you to do. Uh, so Tom Hollander plays his handler from the, the you know, the pirate, he's the, like, evil British, arm British Navy commander in the Pirates movies. Uh, Lucy Boynton. Okay, not Tom Holland. No, Tom, Tom Hollander. Hollander. He's, like, one of those very, like, posh British bad guys and everything. Yes. Uh, and Lucy Boynton from Sing Street. She's like the female lead who's like the the lady agent who's working with him. Really cool. Very like intricate. This is like British Cold War spy stuff where it's more like the Tinker Tailor soldier spy side right. of things than the James Bond. So it's less like action gadgets and it's more like intrigue and betrayal and like eight layers of duplicity or whatever. Uh, but the thing they're doing that I really love is that they're shooting it like it's the 60s. So it's made oh. in the style of a 60s British spy movie, which is very cool. Uh, so that's on right now, If Chris File. That's an ITV show from the UK that they're just showing in the US on AMC+. Lastly, and this is on Shudder, but if you get AMC+, you get a lot of content from the other AMC streaming platforms. That's what makes it, in my opinion, such a good deal. It's like $8.99 per month for AMC+, but you also get Shudder content, you get some Sundance Now content, you get some BET+, Plus or all black content, you get some, you know, all, all of the other uh, streaming services that AMC owns under the AMC Network's umbrella. So from Shudder, from Shudder this week, the horror-focused one, uh, Phil Tippett's Mad God is streaming right now, which is Phil Tippett. He's the special effects artist. He worked on Star Wars, Jurassic Park. I mean, it, you name it. If, if Industrial Light and Magic did it back in the day, Phil Tippett was probably part of it. A, a legendary animator and special effects guru. He created this entire, it's a 90-minute stop-motion feature film called Mad God that is brilliant. Maybe, maybe my favorite movie of the year so far. Like, totally, almost a narrative, very surreal, extremely dark, but incredibly compelling. It, it, almost no story. It's really this, uh, a a character is sort of lowered into, it could only be described as like, like a descent into a post-apocalyptic hellscape. And we're really following uh -huh. them as they wander around this kind of like, industrial nightmare where everything is like feeding every everything is born just to be used and caught up in this sort of endless factory machine works uh it's 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 beyond my ability to to describe it, it's really something you have to experience but it's incredible it's in theaters right now but it's also streaming on shutter so if you're looking for an alternative streaming platform or service uh, i'd recommend checking out amc plus yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, the, I mean, you, you should get a stipend from AMC Plus right? for, uh, for for singing their praises. And, you know, if you're a horror fan, Shud there's, like, not many better destinations than Shudder. Yeah, Shudder gets a lot. I mean, there's there's definitely stuff that pops up on Shudder that I would discuss on this show if you had Shudder. Uh Sure. So yeah, it, it, it's it's it is definitely niche. If you're not into random weird horror movies, you might not like it. But they get a lot of interesting stuff and a lot of animation too. Um, there was another great one I talked about a little bit called The Spine of Night, where it's kind of this like heavy metal 
almost Ralph Bakshi kind of inspired fantasy epic that was animated. Ooh. Pat Oswalt did a voice. Richard E. Grant does a voice. That also came out earlier this year on, on Shudder, and it's really cool. Awesome. Lon, thank you Whew. for the recommendations. Yeah, yeah. AMC Plus, if you're so inclined. And you can get that through Amazon, too. So if you go to Amazon channels, you can get AMC Plus right through there if you don't want to sign up for a separate service. There you go. There it is. Speaking of Amazon, we're going to talk about what has dropped thus far of the new season of The Boys. Lon, the boys are back. The boys Amazon. are back up oh, now. Now we can't get. Now we don't make money from this episode because I sang. Oh no! The boys are back in town. All, all of the money that we've been making oh, off my of these episodes. Oh my god! Lon, Finn uh, Lizzie yeah, is going to come after us. Uh, the boys are back in town. Uh, uh, this is season three, and uh, man, is it just me or does the show? Uh, you know, it's I'm enjoying it, but the the gore, like I didn't re- remember just quite how gory it is. I feel like they've really turned it up. This I don't know. Season. It's always been pretty gory. It's I, always been. It's pretty always. Gory. It was. They've always been balancing. It's like. It's satire and it's edgelord humor. And I feel like season one was way more in the edgelord world. And now they're moving it over and it's more in the satirical world, which I appreciate. I I like it. I I like the new season. I like the, you know, I like the Homelander as Trump sort of satire of it and the, the way that they're kind of using it to parody American politics or whatever. But I do feel like... Mm -hmm. On some level, they have written themselves into a corner I don't know where they get out of, where Homelander is so evil, and it feels like a lot of the strategy, season to season, episode to episode, is, oh, man, we're going to do this to him, and now it's going to make him go real crazy. He's going to go even more psycho. And Anthony Starr, who plays Homelander, is brilliant and is doing a very good job of, like, ratcheting it up, but I don't know how much further there is for him to even go. Yeah, he's already, like, you know, very far off the deep end, and he's, you know, had these unhinged moments. Yeah, it, it, it he's already the heel. Is Does he, his public persona, though, you know, is there anything left before he is just full heel turn and, yeah. like, super villain? Right, I mean, but he's he's already been at that, like, crazed, genocidal, maniac intensity for, like, a season already. Like, I don't really know. I don't feel like you could just get rid of him. Like, they can't just, like, I guess they could maybe, like, kill him at the end of this season and then it's a new enemy next time, but that's a dangerous proposition because the whole show has really been, we got to take out this guy Homelander. But at the same time, like, I don't know what else you do with him because he's as crazy as any character could possibly be. Like, how could he become scarier or crazier? Yeah, he's an untethered powder keg. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I, as much as I'm enjoying it, I, I wouldn't want to be on the creative team right now because it feels like, what do you? I don't, I don't know what you do with this. You know, I, I think you tap into something that's just uh, kind of creeping below the surface of what's the end game here to stop Vaught or. To it, it just seems like the same story, just told slightly differently, again and again. I mean, I I think that's basically what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, like yeah. they kind of, you know, you could say at first it was Vaught, the company is the villain, but now Homelander and Vaught are sort of identical, and it's like, yeah, it's just it's just this this unstoppable force is the villain, and if we could just get rid of this, 
things would work out. And it's like, yeah, but I don't know if that's a whole show. And I don't know, like, the dynamic has just already been in play for so long of, like, everybody versus Homelander. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's still going fine. I, all of this is maybe premature because they have a plan on how they're going to get around it and yeah. move on. But that's my feeling. The last few episodes have just been like, it really feels like a lot of the show at this point is just leaning on Anthony Starr to just like keep upping the intensity of his performance so that we keep getting more and more frightened of Homelander. And I don't, I feel like we kind of push that as far as we could possibly go. And also Invincible is the same idea also on Amazon, another character who's basically the same. Yeah, very, very similar. Uh, someone who's just so scary and uh, powerful, like basically unbeatable. We've kind of done dark megalomaniacal Superman a few times now. I'm just not sure what to do with it. Yeah, where where's the new, fresh, exciting territory to take it? That being said, you know, still watchable, still like a fun uh, antidote to uh, Marvel TV on uh, Disney Plus and just like the dark world. It, it, not, not Thor Dark World, but yeah, it, it's a great, reality check like what if superheroes were really here it would be the blood and gore i was thinking about that because like you know i don't love all the gore but it is a reality check because if we you know the lack of blood in the marvel universe or even by that extension the star wars universe there should be blood spraying everywhere like, it should be just constant pools of blood with that level of destruction. But it's not. So it is, like, I am watching uh, the boys thinking, oh, that is that is what it would be like. So there, there's something just kind of, like, fun and very satisfying about that. One aspect I would like to see a little bit more of, you know, I feel like, and I'd love your take on this, the history of superheroes as they exist in this boys' universe is a little bit, like, foggy, a little bit cloudy. It's like they're not, like, how long have they been around? So we saw, like, Soldier Boy, clips of him yeah. from World War well, that, II. Right, that was, uh, it was like, the, the founder of Vought and the guy who invented Compound V were from that era. It was, it was the early World War II era. So those were the first generation of superheroes. Basically, oh, always think of it as these meta superhero takes always model it on reality. So like superheroes in their universe and our universe were born around the same time. It's just in our universe, it was fictional. Right, but okay. Superheroes are always like an early 20th century creation because that's when fictional superheroes were created. Gotcha. So like, of course, you know, Patriot Boy or whatever was the... He's the Captain America of their world. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I I just wouldn't mind, like, you know, oh, a flashback or here's an explainer. Because it's like, you know, Starlight is talking about... Oh, she was having conversations. They don't want to spend the money. It's They don't, they yeah, don't want to recreate some. 40s Manhattan because that's expensive. Or just seeing like, oh, there were different superhero groups. Like, what's the evolution of this been? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's always the the boys does a lot of corner cutting because they assume you could just fill in the details from like our world. Like all of these characters have their have their counterparts in reality. So like, 
it's basically like the Justice League, but you know, fill it in. Yeah, very much, very, very much. I, I, I see that. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. And again, it's just, um, it, it, it's nice alternative programming to uh, the Disney Plus universe. I, I especially just the gore. The boys, uh, listen. If you, if you like, if you've liked the first couple of seasons. You're gonna. It, it's it's exactly what you want. It's exactly what uh, what you're in for. It's what it. That's why you tune in. It's more of that. Uh, it's available right now. Four or five episodes, give or take, are up currently on Amazon. All right, we both watched the Apple film Cha Cha Real Smooth. It's available on Apple. This was was this a Sundance darling? This was a Sundance. Blonde? Yeah, this was the most expensive Sundance deal of all time. Fifteen million dollars Apple paid for this at Sundance. To young Cooper Rafe, who wrote, directed. Cooper Rafe. He star. That's him. He's the main guy. Yeah, uh, he he is the, he is the auteur. Uh, wrote, directed, starred. You know, I like this film. I didn't love it. It. it, it uh, I feel like it's you know. It's a little bit. It's a little bit emotionally uh, manipulative in, in that way. But you know, I, I like it. I did have a soft spot uh, for it. I didn't love it. I, I. It's almost a little too twee and like bright-eyed about the future. It could have been a little darker. I thought it could have like gone. It's phony. I'll tell you what. You're you're dancing around it. You don't want to say you're being too nice. Uh, it's fake art. Uh, this guy's phony. He, he's funny. He can write a funny sequence. There's some good jokes in it. Uh, it is pretending to be about stuff, but it's not. It's not about anything. There's no, there's no real ideas. There's no real thoughts. There's no real insights in this movie. It's just a nice movie about nice people being nice. It has no insight into the world other than it's nice to be nice and isn't it nice when people are nice. Uh, but he, but he includes things that seem serious and adult, so you'll be, like, tricked. Like, a character has a miscarriage during the movie. There's a character with autism in the movie. There's a hint of, ooh, is that, is somebody being domestically abused? Is there an abusive situation? But it's not about any of those things. Like, what insight do you gain about what it's like to, to make a friend with autism or getting to know someone with autism? Nothing. Just... The, the secret to being friends with someone with autism is to be nice and don't be a bully and right don't be a bully and there's there's no insight there's no insight into into the psychology of a miscarriage or or Dakota Dakota Johnson how a miscarriage how how this woman is processing we get no there's not even a moment where you feel like you have real insight into her psyche or what's going on in her mind it's all about how it reflects on him it's all about like what does this mean for my story and his story is utterly uninteresting and empty. It's just like, oh, I'm young and I don't know who I want to be yet. Like, well, welcome to the fucking club, man. That's literally everybody on planet Earth. And he's cherry picking other people's lives and stories that he has no real interest in to make himself seem more interesting. And the other thing I'll tell you about this one is I can't imagine writing a movie I was going to star in and having this many other characters tell my character that I'm charming. So many people are constantly like, you're so adorable. There's a scene that is just Dakota Johnson over and over again being like, you're so charming. You're so adorable. You're, you're so cute. You're so adorable. Like, even in scenarios where a new person you meet finds you charming and adorable, they don't say it over and over again. What world is that? Like, 
it just feels so, it's so navel-gazing and narcissistic. It's like, who the fuck are you, man? It is, but it's, but it's not overtly bad. I feel like it, it collapses under uh, scrutiny because it does come across as, wow, this guy is great. He's, he's kind. Uh, he's a good big brother. He's so likable. But then you're absolutely right. I, you know, a tiny spoiler here in the plot. Like you mentioned the miscarriage. I found it such a, as you were saying, like a, an ersatz version of what the emotion of this moment would be because I can't fathom i can't fucking fathom a woman having a miscarriage and then that same evening wanting to engage in sexual activity with a young guy she just met but okay if you're gonna write that that's a very interesting reaction that's a surprise i'm not saying i'm not saying you can't write that scene write that fucking scene but now that scene in that movie is about her it's about what made this woman feel this way that she's so lonely she's so isolated after this miscarriage she wants a human connection with this stranger like write that but he doesn't it was not motivated in that way though he doesn't because he's not interested in her he's interested in him if that scene is about him that scene is about how he doesn't want to he feels weird now and like he really likes her but he's not sure how he feels and it's like fuck you dude fuck i don't care I still, I liked his character. I liked the movie too, but there was also this thing in theater, they say, uh, in theater, they say, if you pull a gun in a scene, then you have to use the gun. There were so many- It's called Chekhov's gun. Anton Chekhov is the guy who said that. Yes. There are several scenarios like, will they, won't they? Will these characters fight? Will these characters have sex? And it just, it's almost- unsatisfying in that way. Yeah, well, that that's purposeful. He he sets up scenarios and then he diffuses yes. them. And, like, I get that, and maybe he's trying for, like, realism or whatever, but if you're trying yeah. for realism, then you got to make a, a story that's realistic. And this movie, is, this movie is not because everybody's too in love with him and he's too good. And even when he's bad, he, like fixes it right away. Like, he, there's a thing that he gave him where he he lies sometimes, casually during conversation, but then he corrects right. himself and apologizes right away. So think about that. If I, like, he's in a job interview and then the guy's like, yeah, well, we work with uh, people who have ALS. And then he goes, my dad has ALS. And then he gives it a beat and he goes, nah, I'm lying, my dad. I don't know why I said that. That turns a thing that is a interesting, dark part of someone's personality into a mm-hmm. funny, silly quirk. You know, it makes it a joke. Right. And I feel like he's terrified to give this character even a little dark corner, anything to give him a little layer or a little nuance. He immediately has to diffuse it. No one's allowed to be mad. No one's allowed to hold a grudge against him. Everybody's got to find him super nice and charming right away. And so anytime he writes anything even a little bit unlikable, he immediately goes back and crosses it out. It's like, well, that's not interesting, man. Like... Make home movies about what a great, funny guy you are, but I don't want to fucking watch him. I didn't have uh, this uh, kind of the strong reaction negatively that that uh, you had to this. I don't like if you want to make a movie and you want to tell this story, like really do it, but don't don't try to jerk me around. This feels it feels directly manipulative, and it feels it feels phony. It feels like. I'm going to try to just make something that's happy and feel good, but make you feel like you've been on a journey with me that you really, 
that you really haven't been on. And it's like, don't jerk me around, man. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. Just make a comedy. Just make a comedy. I, I also think What that about there's... Leslie Mann? He also writes this whole, like, oh, my mom's bipolar, and then never engaged with, never discussed. The one scene where they talk about depression at all, his big takeaway yeah. is, I wish that she would just listen to me instead of her own brain, because I'll tell her how to not be depressed. It's like, listen, man, uh, go fuck yourself. That's my review of this movie. Go fuck yourself real smooth. <laughs> uh, I do think there are some genuinely funny and fun moments. If, if, I, if, I, if I, Cooper Rafe decided to get over himself and just write like a comedy, he could do it. They, he could definitely write just like a movie comedy and have it be funny. He's got the chops to just write a funny scene. He's just like, his head is so far up his own fucking ass that it's like in his torso. It's super sweet by design. It's almost a, an anti-toxic masculinity. Uh, but like, fuck you, dude. It's so easy here. to not be a toxic to not be toxic when you are writing yeah. the movie. Like, there's no yeah. there's no challenge there to make yourself the, a good guy when you're you're in a world of your own creation. Yeah, so I found it a pleasant watch that uh, was a much uh, that then upon his, uh, his biggest flaw as a character is that he cares too much about autistic people being bullied. It's like a job interview where it's like, "What's your biggest flaw?" Like, I'm a perfectionist. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, yeah, too much of a people pleaser. Uh, I spring immediately to action when anyone is being bullied because I'm such a hero. That's my biggest flaw. Again, I will say I enjoyed it while I was watching it, but it started to crumble upon uh, uh, thinking about it in retrospect. I would have really enjoyed any of the other actors punching him in the face. I, he should have written that scene. There you have it. Cha-Cha Real Smooth is available on Apple TV+. Plus. Don't do it. And finally, we watched the star-studded Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, uh, Journey Smollett, uh, Spiderhead on Netflix. Oh, another thing I didn't fucking like. I disliked this more than I disliked uh, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Oh, really? I'm the opposite. Yeah. This one at least was like, ah, you know, it's it, like, where does this world exist? It's so claustrophobic. This must have been made during the pandemic. Well, of course. On a shoestring budget. No, I don't think a shoestring budget, but definitely during the pandemic. Oh, I mean, it's they had to build that because they had like thing. one location. Yeah, but it was a very impressive location. I mean, it was a cool, like, okay. I mean, what, what was that? Like, what is that? Some um, billionaire's yeah, house? Yeah, it probably is a billionaire's of... house. Well, Joseph Kaczynski, who directed this, he also directed uh, Top Maverick. Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. Uh, he was an architect. Did you know that? No. And uh, Oblivion, he did that Tom Cruise movie, Oblivion. So his movies are okay. always about, like, like structures and layouts and that, that that's always part of his sort of vision of movies. He's always got a very like, so it's a very sort of aesthetically specific kind of filmmaking. Just FYI, uh, Spiderhead is about- uh, Based on a George Saunders story. Oh yes, from the New Yorker. And it's about a prison where these inmates in order to lighten their sentences or get better conditions, they volunteer for a medical study that goes on. Yeah, it's this very high-tech drug study. Chris Hemsworth is the warden and also administering the study, and he's got just like a little tablet. Everybody's got an implant in their back with filled with drugs, and he could just, with the tap of a button on his like sort of tablet, he can give you all sorts of drugs and all the drugs. It's a very like, 
you got to kind of give yourself over to the premise because it's it's obviously yeah. set in a near future, but these drugs don't work like any drugs we've ever had on planet Earth, where they work instantly and they're all they're all about putting you in a specific state of mind. So there's a drug that's like an anxiety-inducing drug that's like torture, and there's a drug that makes you feel super horny, and there's a drug that makes you feel super giddy, like everything is funny, and 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 on and on and on. Yes. So he's really doing studies, not, not just do these drugs work, because obviously they do, but like how intense can he make the experiences? Could he make you so happy that he could tell you the worst thing you've ever heard and you would still laugh? Or can he make you so horny that you would have sex with someone you're not at all attracted to or you're even repulsed? Spy or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think for about an hour, it acts like it's gonna be a real movie about like real things that has insight into the world, and then you get to the end and you're like, oh, it's just a B movie. Like it's just a thriller about these guys trying to escape this prison or whatever. Yeah, that kind of goes nowhere. And if it had been the dumb prison escape thing from the beginning, I probably would have liked it. Like, if it had just known mm-hmm. what it was and been honest about being, like, a silly entertainment, I think it probably would work. But it's so labored under this idea of, like, it's got to be smart and it's got to say something about free will or being experimented on or I don't know. I honestly don't even know what it thought it was about for that first hour. It was very unsatisfying, the end game of it. Like, okay, what was, like, there's so much I wanted to know. Like, what was Chris Hemsworth, he's the head of the drug company and the warden, as you said, what was his master plan? What kind of oversight is there to this? Like, does he interact with people from the government or from a prison system or from the state? Like, that would have been inter- like an interesting element they could have added. But I feel like the film was so claustrophobic. There was so it was so small in scope. It was the slice of life of this weird world. I just would have wanted. I just wanted more components that go into making that world. I wanted to know Chris Hemsworth's master plan. Like, why did he want to be this Dr. Frankenstein of this drug? Well, money. Yes, yes. But it's another film that kind of collapsed under scrutiny. It's like there were two guards... There were like, there were two muscular guards. He had one assistant. Well, I don't... Okay. Yeah, listen, I get it. There could have been more guards. If you're in listening, the if you're listening to Binge Boys and you have not watched Spiderhead, and you might, we're almost done. Just, just turn it off because I'm about to spoil Spiderhead for Hal. Okay. I'm gonna give you five, four, three, two, one. Because the whole point of the drug at the end, you find out, is it controls them. Like the real drug he's testing the whole time is not any of these drugs he's been telling them about. It's that secret drug that just dulls them out. The B6? Yeah, and makes them not, makes them compliant. So that's why he doesn't need any guards. That's part of the twist. He didn't need any guards because they were automatically being compliant because they were all on this secret drug. Mm. So there you go, folks. That's not actually a plot hole. That's the twist ending. It's not very satisfying, I agree. Even when you get to the twist ending, you're like, okay, but it was already a metaphor about control. So this doesn't really add anything to the central metaphor. That's why I think it would have been better if it was like, a thriller, you know, like I Am Legend yeah. or, or Soylent Green or like one of those like 70s movies with a trippy premise, but it's really just like, he's got to get out of this prison, you know? Like if they played yeah. into that more, it would have been more fun instead of making it like 
ooh, it's a think piece, you know, like what, like, cause it just doesn't work on that level. Yeah. And then we also, not that many years ago, we had Upgrade, that Lee Winnell movie, which works on both levels better. It's mm-hmm. both a more satisfying action thriller and it's more clever in terms of this premise of like experimenting on people and free will Absolutely. versus control and yeah. That was fun and uh, like it was a driving urgency to that movie. Yeah. If you haven't watched Upgrade, by the way, great, great fun little sci-fi thriller from a few years ago. The guy who did uh, Invisible Man who wrote Saw, mm-hmm. uh, Insidious, you know, Lee, Lee went out. You guys are Lee. Spiderhead, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it's not about a, a guy who uh, takes a drug and then develops an arachnid for a head. Okay, so if you're going and expecting that, don't you will come away disappointed as well. That'd be a great David Lynch should work on that one. Like, it's a man, and he's got a spider for a head. Very Kafka esque. You want to? Do you want to tell us more about that, Dave? No. Spiderhead available on Netflix. And those are the things we watched, folks. Hoot hoot, Owl Nation. Thank you, Starburns Audio. Thanks, producer Travis, Travis Reeves, producer. Thank you, Jason Kay, for our music. Lon, please tell them anything you'd like to tell them. Uh, they should find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That's the best place to keep up with everything I'm doing. Also... I'm gonna new new thing I'm gonna promote. Every Thursday, I'm now making appearances on uh, This Week in Startups. That's my friend Jason Calacanis's long-running, very successful tech podcast. I show up now on Thursdays and do the streaming report. We talk a little about what's going on on Binge Boys. We talk a little bit of cool. We're going through Obi-Wan and Star Trek Strange New Worlds right now, but uh We also talk about streaming news, a lot of the kind of stuff we cover here on Binge Boys. So if you want to check that out, that's every Thursday on This Week in Startups, wherever you get your podcast. There you go. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hal Rutnick. And you can check me out Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the West Coast, 2 to 4 on the East Coast. I will be live streaming. It's the Your Pal Hal Show on twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye now. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Hal Rudnick, whatever. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit.